I'm still fucking alive, man. That's what we're working with right now. Okay. Let's do this. All we'll right. do the intro. All right. So welcome back, everyone, to the B&B Movie Show, the podcast where two friends with different movie tastes come together to riff on each other's favorite movies. My name is Will, and alongside me, as always, is my ever-trusted, burlap-hooded, pumpkin-headed, demonic friend, Sam. That's me! (laughs) (laughs) And today, we are discussing Sam's pick, which was supposed to come out on Halloween, but you know, life, 2020, and rona got in the way yeah i'm low-key dying but we're gonna make it through this it was also (laughs) supposed to be me talking about it but my energy is not gonna be completely there so will's taking the lead on this yeah yeah normally sam would be the one that's going over her choices but since she's a little under the weather i'm gonna step in and take the reins and hopefully i do her in the movie proud but uh sam if you would tell our dear listeners what movie we're talking about today Today we are talking about 2007 classic horror anthology, Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. And what's your connection with Trick or Treat? I probably saw this for the first time not <laughs> that long ago, probably like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I well, I immediately fell in love with the movie. It's one that. of my favorite Halloween movies. And I think it's like the perfect, if there wasn't rated R material in this, I think kids would love this movie. It's how I, I right. feel about this movie. I think you're right. Um, I have no background when it comes to horror movies, so essentially blind when it comes to Sam's choices. So uh, when I first started researching this film, I have to say I was kind of excited to see what kind of ride she had picked out for me. And I mean, like she said, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't disappointed in what I saw. It's a fun movie for sure. It is. It's a very fun movie. So let's jump into the gory production details before we dive into the plot. Trick or Treat is a, like Sam said, 2009 American horror anthology film. It was written, directed by Michael Michael Dougherty, who wrote both X-Men and X2, and the ill-regarded by most, Superman Returns. He also wrote and directed the 2015 Christmas horror classic Krampus. And how does this movie stack up to that one? Do you know, Sam? Uh, Yes, I do know. So I own both of these movies um and i i like krampus it is a christmas watch for me every year i think he does really well at holiday themed horror although i would say that across the board this is a better movie all around well i mean december is not too far away we could always you know put it in the queue it probably is in the queue (laughs) i have a different favorite christmas horror movie that i already have planned we'll just say that i made neil watch it last year and he was like what the fuck is wrong with you so that'll (laughs) be what we'll do then (laughs) that's that was kind of my response initially if you remember my initial text when i was watching this movie you were very (laughs) confuzzled (laughs) to be fair (laughs) the way this movie starts is very confuzzling strange film so the film was produced in 2007 by legend legendary pictures a subsidiary of warner brothers and it has mostly positive reviews and it currently holds an 84 percent rating on rotten tomatoes against 25 aggregate reviews this is probably our highest <laughs> rotten tomato score yet which is very weird it's true and it's okay i mean get graded my two choices aren't like you know stellar quality films and your first choice let's be real stay alive real. was also not a stellar quality film <laughs> exactly uh Doherty has stated many times that he wants to make a sequel to trick-or-treat and plans to pursue that option once he has completed his work on the godzilla film series 
Uh, the film was produced on a budget of $12 million and was slated for a 2007 theatrical release, but was subsequently held back and released on home video in October of 2009. Yeah, so famously, this movie got shafted. It was supposed to come out in October of 2007. Um, and then without any reasons given, it was pulled from theatrical release and then was mm -hmm. not released at all until a direct-to-video release in 2009. That's kind of a shame, though, because I feel like this movie would have done well in the theaters. I really think it would have. So... A lot of people have conjectured that the reason they pulled it is because they had seen that Saw was going to be coming out um, and they did not want to go up against Saw in box office. They were worried that it would not do well in comparison. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's a valid concern. Saw was a heavy hitter at the time. That's true. I mean, I know they're both horror genres, but they're vastly different though in the horror genre though that's that's true so that's, i mean i you know neither here nor there we got it and yeah we got it direct to video release that's true is a big deal to horror fans we all love it so so the film stars brian cox and anna paquin both actors who worked with doherty on x2 as well as dylan baker who has acted in four separate decades without the perils becoming massively famous and still having a pretty decent movie resume to his name and, and is forgot. a creepy person god right? bless him seriously he should be he should act in more serial killer movies he's perfect in this yeah movie. He is a creepy motherfucker. Also, before we jump in, Trick or Treat has a small connection to our last week's movie. I know that, this. <laughs> in that Doherty co-wrote with Guyver Dark Hero star David Hayter on both X-Men and X2. So it's like we have a small meta-universe growing here on B&B. I know, which is so weird. I didn't even think about it. And then I looked at Doherty's credits um, and saw that he wrote the X-Men movies. And I was like... Did he write that with that dude from Guyver? And yes, yeah. Yes, he did. He did. Being said, let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about a movie. So our film opens up on the tail end of what will be a crazy and bloody Halloween night. As we begin to pan up towards a house that is that has its front lawn decorated with numerous ghost crows and lit pumpkins, we see a car pulling a, a, a kid pulling a wagon across the street and is almost hit by a silver car. So my first note is, I know it's just the parent in me, but did this movie almost start out with a child murder? Like literally like out the gate, almost happened. If that's your first note, I, you I, were I, about to be so upset. <laughs> I know. I get, Oh, I have many notes to go forward. I get yeah. That. But <laughs> it was just the parent in me, obviously. Yeah, there's a lot of child murder in this. <laughs> there is. I, I feel like this whole town is like, we lost the whole sixth grade class. Yeah, they certainly did. They could make sequels of this movie just based on all the fucked up shit this town is made up uh, of. Yes. <laughs> we are then introduced to a couple named Emma and Henry who are dressed as a robot in Flash Gordon who returns to their home after a long night. Emma, who's the star in this scene, played by Leslie Bibb, takes a jack-o'-lantern to blow out the light, but Henry warns her that it's against Halloween tradition to undecorate before midnight. Yeah, so as a Halloween fan and as like a person that celebrates every year hardcore, I didn't ever hear of this. And I feel like some of these rules are like made up for this movie. I'm here for oh, they, it. It's they fine. They definitely are. But like, I don't think <clears throat> but, that this is a thing. No, 
No, but who really hates Halloween this much? And also, do these two people actually like each other? Because it doesn't really feel like it in the most of the scene. Yeah, it's a great question. They do not act like they are on the same page about Halloween. And how do you marry someone that has different opinions on Halloween than you? Let's just say the marriage won't last too much longer. Sure anyway. won't. <laughs> Emma asserts that she wants all the decorations gone before her mother visits the next morning, saying that the yard looks like a crime scene and blows out the candle. Henry, a true fan of the holiday, promises to remove everything the next morning and convinces Emma to meet him inside for a long time. <laughs> While he goes in and puts the tape on, Emma starts to take down the decorations, uttering the unforgivable, I hate Halloween. And from that point on, I'm glad she's dead. But Fuck like, you, why is, I don't understand why she's so insistent on taking down these decorations. Like, just go inside. It's like already 11. You're not going to get this shit done before two. Like, just go fucking inside. I don't know. And their yard, listeners, is decorated like hardcore. For somebody who doesn't yeah. fucking like Halloween, there's like... Oh, no, she went balls to the wall. Yeah, there's like body parts hanging from trees. There's like ghosts and stuff. It's kind of intense. So I don't know why she's doing this and then i had to make a note here is their porn really called nature special yeah the tape is labeled as nature special (laughs) which i have questions about because it doesn't seem like they have kids so why not just label it porn like why do you need to hide that it's porn maybe her mom stays often i guess And then also, like a fucking noob, she turns the lights off while she's cleaning. Hey, let's sit, let's take the fact that she's in a horror movie. Let's just say she's in a regular movie or just real life. You can't take the decor, you can't see the decorations while you're trying to undecorate. Yeah, with the lights I don't. Off. I don't know. This woman is. <clears throat> we are not the same, and we would not be friends. <laughs> no, you would not be. So uh, as Emma removes the sheets off one of the ghost crows, it lunges at her, covering her in the white cloth. In the ensuing struggle, Emma tumbles onto the sidewalk where the three passing trick-or-treaters stop to investigate. Under the sheets, a figure w- and it takes a bitten pumpkin-shaped su- sucker and slits Emma's throat. Her blood stains through the sheets and the children run away. The hidden assailant then drags Emma's body back into the yard as Henry lies upstairs, passed out with the TV blaring. And my note is here, well, Emma's dead. Yep, <laughs> and good. Yep. I would say that there are is only like one death scene in this movie that I don't think is like justified. And it gets like, we get retribution for that in the movie. So for the most yeah. part, I'm like, yeah, I killed the bitch. She hates Halloween. She deserves to die. That's a little harsh. <laughs> if, if these, I, I, I did that. I made that note too. Yeah. I just, I, this whole situation could have been avoided if she just went inside and had sex with her husband. Like just, yeah. She obviously wanted to. I mean, no, but in the in the realm of the horror movie, she had to die. Yeah, she so, needed to die. <laughs> sometime later, Henry notices that Emma has not come up and goes down to the yard to investigate. He notices that one of the ghost crows now has lights attached to it. He removes the sheet and screams at the sight of Emma's disembodied head on a stake. The pumpkin sucker lodged in her mouth. It's a pretty cool shot. They do like her like mouth is like stretched out because it's like lollipop sized. So that will not yeah. fit in a human mouth. So they like stretch her cheeks to fit around it. It's pretty cool. There's lots of blood. I did make note here that I did feel bad for the husband though. Cause like he just wanted to get laid. Yeah. He <laughs> also, he, he just wanted to have a fun Halloween, poor guy. And then I wrote cue comic book themed opening credits which i actually dig the opening credits and the ending credits because they're the same thing um and just as a bit of 
fun facts for you. So there is another horror anthology that came out in the 80s. Um, it was all stories written by Stephen mm-hmm. King. It's called Creep Show, and they do oh, like, like a comic book theme for them. So each of the stories comes from like yeah. a kid reading a comic book, and then you see like the the picture, and then it turns into the story. So they could have been trying to call that's out to cool. that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So during the four stories told within the movie, Halloween festivities and parties continue throughout the town. There is also a massive parade that marches down the main street while the silhouette of a short figure walks through the crowd dragging a burlap bag with a dark stain at the bottom. And I wrote here that also this town is very lively during Halloween with their traditions. Like this is like Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. for this place. One could assume that it's like Salem, except that they mentioned that it's Ohio, which I thought was a weird choice. I know. You could have totally just ran with that. Or they could have just like not named the town and you could assumed it was Salem. Yeah. I and then I made a note here about the burlap sack because it looks like it's either blood or shit. Yeah, it looks really gross. It does. So we're going to start our first of the four anthology stories. And the one that I started with is The Principal. Um, a portly boy walks through the neighborhood knocking over jack-o'-lanterns. He stops at one of the houses and walks up to the porch where it appears no one is home. A bucket full of candy is set out with a sign saying, please take one. The boy begins to put the entire contents of the bucket in his bag when someone startles him from behind. Fun note here, the kid that plays the portly boy uh is also the same kid <laughs> in bad santa so if any who of also you plays the portly boy you who also plays a portly let me make you some sandwiches uh so just just if i <laughs> i gotta say fuck this kid for knocking over decorations though i mean what a dick yeah he deserves everything that's coming to him and then creepy guy shows up and is creepy this can only end well for this kid though right so the boy recognizes the man as principal principal steven wilkins played by dylan baker who addresses the boy as charlie wilkins sits down on the porch inviting charlie to sit and talk with him as he offers him a chocolate bar wilkins explains the rules and etiquette of how properly to respect halloween when charlie begins to cough wilkins explains the most important rule of all always check your candy first yeah, he should have checked the candy first, especially yeah. eating it from this guy's house. It almost feels like a lesson that he's trying to give this kid, which is that, like, if you hadn't been just eating all this candy willy-nilly, maybe you wouldn't be in trouble right now. So Charlie violently vomits blood and chocolate and passes out. Wilkins drags Charlie's body into the house, the blood and chocolate mixture oozing onto his shirt just as the doorbell rings. Struggling with the body before answering the door, we see three teenagers who ask to take one of his jack-o'-lanterns and he agrees to get, and he gives them some candy. <clears throat> when he, this is, includes a small boy wearing an orange-footed pajama and burlap hood with buttons for eyes and stitching for a mouth, known hereafter as Sam. It's me, you guys. <laughs> it is. It is. And she looks just like that under the hood, too. I do, yeah. Me. I did make a note here is... Does that kid with the scarecrow costumes bag sound like a cat as he runs down the stairs? Because it sounds like a cat, like, meow, meow, when he hits the fucking steps. I didn't Did notice that? that. No, maybe it was all done up by the Guyver episode. That, yeah. No, no, like, it, it, like, makes a sound like a cat in distress as it hits the steps. It's hilarious. Maybe there's a cat <laughs> in the bag. Maybe that's what they're trying to tell us, that this kid's fucked up. To be fair, he is kind of fucked up. <laughs> Might or might not be a demon. Might not is a stretch. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) We will. 
Wilkins then dumps Charlie's body into a large hole dug in the backyard where another kid's body is already lying. As he tries to bury the bodies, the bodies, his small son Billy appears in the upstairs window and shouts down at him repeatedly, asking for help with a jack-o'-lantern and that he'll hand out candy. Wilkins, frustrated, tells him each time to be quiet and wait for him inside. I love Billy. Do you? I do. He's hilarious. He's a kid. They're funny. I... (laughs) Billy, I was like, Charlie, your dad Brown is trying is to murder. <laughs> Leave him alone. But he's obviously okay with it, as we find later. Yeah, we, we get there, too. So, meanwhile, the neighbor's dog approaches the fence and starts barking at as the first child in the grave begins to moan, reaching out from under the dirt sheet with a clown co- with a clown costume arm. Wilkins stabs the boy's arm with a shovel and severs one of his fingers, throwing it over to the fence to distract the dog. However, the surly owner, Mr. Krieg, played by Brian Cox, the probably the top bill of this movie, comes into the yard and peeks through a hole of the fence to speak with Wilkins, still struggling with the clown child the entire time. And I wrote here, I know Sam will appreciate the feeding of the finger to the dog part. I just felt like that was something you would enjoy. I did like it. It reminds me of another horror movie that we did not do, but we will probably eventually at some point called Ginger Snaps. Um, There's kind of a similar... Oh, it's so good. It's an indie Canadian werewolf movie. It's just my shit but um there is a scene of a dog like their intro is a dog eating a human finger so it reminded me of that and i thought that that was a nice touch i also said here besides the child murder this is actually kind of a funny scene i'm not gonna lie it's <laughs> a horror comedy back and forth between the sun and, and mr Cruz. it is it really is yeah <laughs> so Wilkins passes as a septic tank leak, and Mr. Craig goes back into the house, shouting back at Wilkins to keep his kid out of his yard. Wilkins finishes the clown kit with a shovel and completes burying the bodies. As he walks back into the house, he notices a frantic Mr. Craig motioning for him in his window. Bitter, Wilkins ignores him and goes back into the house as Craig is tackled by something or someone. And I also made a note here that Mr. Wilkins has a date. Who the fuck is dating this dude? A mortician? We'll fuck? find out who's and also, dating. Did he kill his wife? Did he kill his wife? That's what Neil wanted he to know. He had to have killed his wife. Yeah, Neil was like very into like, is his wife dead? Did he kill his wife? And I'm like, I don't know, Neil. They don't tell us, but he clearly ain't got one. Well, and he's just so like comfortable burying bodies in the backyard. She's in that backyard somewhere. Probably, yes. So in the kitchen, Billy jumps out from behind the counter, scaring Wilkins, and asks him uh, to help with his jack-o'-lanterns. Seemingly annoyed, Wilkins takes a butcher knife from a knife block and follows Billy into the basement. Billy runs ahead to a table covered in carving materials, and Wilkins approaches from behind. Billy says, let's make it scary this time, as Wilkins puts uh, puts a hand on Billy's head and brings the knife down. Blood glistening on the blade as he draws it back. But Billy smiles and says, don't forget to help me with the eyes. As they look together at the severed head of Charlie on the wooden turntable. I swear to God, I thought he was going to kill him. And I know that was the whole point by that scene, was that he was going to kill Billy. But I wrote here, like, well, this basement is filled with bad omens and broken childhoods. Yeah, so (laughs) because Billy is so annoying when he's, like, out messing with that body, I think we're supposed to think that he's going to kill his son. Uh, I don't think they could have done that because they would take it way out of horror comedy. We don't want to watch you kill your son, sir. Yeah. No, you can kill this fat kid, but not your son. Yeah. Okay. So we are done with story one. And it was funny. This is probably the funniest of the four was story one, I think. 
Uh, this is not my favorite one. I think it's the most like straight up horror comedy that we mm-hmm. get in the whole movie. Um, I think there are stronger narratives throughout the remaining stories in the film. So it's not my favorite one. I got you. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, not my, it's not my favorite either. It's just the one I think is the funny. Yeah, I think they were opening the yes. film with like a, a funny okay, so, light scene. So let's start story two. Um, I'm going to go with Surprise Party. That's the one I'm going to go with number two. And so we're going to start out with Lori, played by Anna Paquin, is a 22-year-old virgin of some kind who is shy and self-conscious. Her older sister, Danielle, tries to boost her confidence by taking her to a Halloween party with two of her friends. The girls all dress in fairy tale costumes while Lori is stuck as Little Red Riding Hood, a choice she despises, though her sister tells her it's tradition. They walk through the town and <clears throat> they walk through the town on the way to the party, picking up dates, but Lori is discouraged. She opts to meet the girls at the party later, stating she finds she will find her date on her own. She will. She will. I made a note here is that where is the parent of this this kid that's peeping in on these girls dressing up? And then why does she blame the girls for the kid peeping in on the girls? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that. Fun fact, though, uh, the kid that is peeping in the dressing rooms is the same child actor that they put in Sam's costume. Which is pretty funny. Yeah. Also, um, I made a note here uh, before I saw how this story ends that I don't know anything about these girls, but I know I want to be their friends. And that's just because they're hot. Oh, okay. I was like, you've seen the whole short, though, haven't you? Yes, but this was before. This oh, is when okay. I was watching it. Yeah, they are they're very attractive ladies, <laughs> yeah. which works to their favor later on. It does. And I also made a note here is that if if I know anything, it's that Danielle and her two friends are way too hot for the guys that they're picking up and gonna end up in a bathtub with one of your kidneys taken out or worse, which yeah. we find out later. If a hot person approaches you and you are not a hot person and they seem very interested in you, run. They are going to kill you. This is true. Yeah. So in another part of the downtown parade, a young woman makes out with a masked man in an alleyway. He affectionately kisses her in the neck, but when she looks down, she sees blood running down her body. The man smiles, revealing blood on his fangs. The woman screams and makes her way to the streets where people are gathered for the parade. And I made a note here that Lestat, apparently, is what he wants to be called. I'm going to call him Lestat anyway. Oh. Uh, Just kind of fucked up this poor girl's evening. She just wanted to get a a little action. And uh, he kind of fucked that up. Yeah, I feel sad for her because she does genuinely look scared and she makes the right choices. She's like trying to get the fuck out of that alley. She just doesn't quite make it. Um, We see Emma and Henry from the opening walking by in costume, but ignore her thinking she's another drunk party goer covered in makeup blood. The woman turns around and sees Lestat standing behind her and screams as she swings his cloak around her. He leaves her dead body on the sidewalk leaning against a building as if she's merely passed out and walks away. Yep, so he will meet his own justice with that, though. That is true. But I did make a note here that, you know, after this scene, I'm even more okay with Emma getting slaughtered later. Yeah, because she just leaves that girl in the middle of the street. So um, at the bonfire party in the woods, Daniel stands alone, worried about Lori. The others assure her that Lori's fine, but Daniel wonders, saying that mother always said Lori was the runt of the litter. 
As Lori walks down a dimly lit path in the woods, she senses someone is following her and shouts that she is not in the mood and they better come out. Uh, with no one responds, she turns around and comes face to face with the vampire. He grabs her by the neck and holds her against a tree saying, my, my, what big eyes you have before biting her on the neck. Um, so, I mean, I get what the director was doing here, dressing her up as Little Red Riding Hood and having her walk down a path and everything, but it's a little, uh, a little too on the nose for me, I feel like. I like it, it's just... I think that when you haven't seen the movie at all before and then you figure out what's happening, it's supposed to be a moment where you're like, oh fuck like all of this told me what was about to happen and I just didn't pay attention I think this also kind of plays on the idea that um women should be afraid or are more likely to be victims of something especially when they're dressed in like sexy costumes and they're out on Halloween night with a lot of drunk people I think that they're making these women look like they're going to be the victim of something and dressing her up as Little Red Riding Hood Oh, is yeah. an allegory for what's about to happen or like a kind of a joke but it's also to make her seem like she could be the victim of something so at the party the girls are startled when a cloak body falls out from a tree near the fire danielle nervous approaches the body and removes the cloak to see the vampire bleeding and begging for help his mask is reviewed is removed and principal wilkins blinks in the firelight whimpering yep fuck this bitch um and i made a note here like what is going on in this party I know I wouldn't want to be here. I just can't tell what the hell these hot women are up to. And obviously you find out in the next five seconds. But You I sure do. So Lori appears and assures everyone she's okay, despite the blood coming out of her neck. She approaches Wilkins and straddles him, telling him to bear with her since it's her first time. The other girls start to dance as Wilkins looks around in shock to see that all the dates are dead. Also, I have to say, his leg is like beyond fucked up. She like murder this motherfucker before she actually murdered him which is like, great was a and bad I'm, injury. I'm so proud of all of these women my kind of halloween party sorry neil no offense is for <laughs> men to show up and be like oh no i'm about to get murdered and we're like yeah bitch you are that's a beautiful moment for feminism <laughs> and i'm proud of her <laughs> Uh, Lori removes her, removes, uh, Wilkins's fake fangs as the girls rip off their skin, revealing coarse fur and lupin fangs. Lori begins to change herself and leans down to Wilkins, whispering, my, my, what big eyes you have, back, before lunging into Wilkins' nest. The girls all turn into werewolves and finish the remains of their dates, howling at the moon as Sam looks on a nearby log. Yes, and it's... And you're just having fun sitting there at this, uh, day. I, I am proud of them. I am overlooking them. I am approving of what they're doing. Um, I think this is probably my favorite of all the shorts <laughs> because women get to turn into werewolves yeah, and rip men apart. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I, I like this one too. Like, I think like story-wise, it's the best of the four. Um, Narratively, really it is the best. The, the puppets that they used for the werewolf. Yeah, and they do use yeah. practical effects for the transformation with yeah. a little bit of CGI enhancement, which is what we want as horror fans. So, so yeah, I, I think like the first one's the funniest for me, and this is the best narrative, like you said. So yeah. they, they're their own different cups of tea. Mm -hmm. So story three is the Halloween school bus massacre. So four costume teenagers scour the neighborhood for jack-o'-lanterns and stop at the home of a peer named Rhonda dressed as a witch whose yard is decorated with dozens of them. 
Despite the fact that she's considered an idiot savant and nicknamed Rhonda the by the leader of the group, Macy, I know, I know, dressed as an angel, Schrader asks politely for one of her pumpkins and invites her to come along with him. I do too. I am so happy how this story ends. I am too. I fucking hate and these kids. So I, I do have to say though, like, do do the teachers in this town just frigging flagrantly have like sex parties just open up like hey kids do you want to come into our orgy like what the hell is going on in this place i don't this town is a weird place man i don't know and i i also made a note here that i love that chip the little pirate kid is trying to mentally cope with what he just saw at this sex party and i just wrote here trust me man your night's about to get a whole lot worse yep (laughs) say goodbye chip you little fuck To be fair, though, he's probably, like, the least worse of the four. Macy leads them onward while Rhonda talks briefly with Chip, a pirate, about the origins of Halloween. They arrive at abandoned rock quarry, and Sarah, dressed as an alien, asks why they're there and what purpose of the jack-o'-lanterns. What, what, what's the purpose of the jack-o'-lanterns? Macy explains that the quarry is the site of a fatal bus, bus crash 30 years prior and has become the stuff of legend. And I made a note here. Where are these kids going? Do their parents know where the hell they are? Are their parents at the sex party and just don't give a shit anymore? Is Probably. this a theme? Okay, so <laughs> I don't know if you have notes uh, on the bus crash. I do have a few, but if you want to talk about it, you okay. go ahead. Okay, <laughs> so the bus crash, the legend is that a bus driver is taking these special needs children they're like kind of touted in the film as like the alternative school kids so like bad kids but that's not what they are Mm -hmm. they're special needs children no that their parents Mm -hmm. want Mm -hmm. to like get rid of because they've become too much too much work um so they pay the bus driver to murder their children This is probably the most horrific thing you'll see in the movie. He chains tiny children to the bus and gives them a piece of candy and then just fucking tanks this bus over the side of a hill into a rock quarry. And it is not okay. And I was like, what the fuck? Rhonda, the R word was the least of my worries after that shit. Yeah, that (laughs) scene was pretty dark. Yeah, it is I'm not going to lie. Especially, I feel bad for that one kid that notices like wrong way wrong way (laughs) it just made me like as an adult kid knows immediately something's wrong as an adult it made me want to cry i was like i can't i want to protect the babies and then i wanted to kill all of those parents i was so mad well i made a note here like what the fuck is this place and where are who are these piece of shit parents and how the hell did macy hear about the story and where did they come up with this ritual for the pumpkins and these kids like what is this whole setup like it's it's not perfectly explained in this like 10 minute story that we get but it needs to be a little bit more explained (laughs) yeah you you need to give me some more information about the parents that just get tired of their special needs children and then have them violently murdered yeah it's it's not okay so (laughs) they the children decide that the eight collected jack-o'-lanterns represent the eight souls that were lost the day of the crash and they're going to leave them by the lakeside that's at the bottom of the rock quarry so they i don't know where they came up with this ritual but they walk down to the rickety elevator and macy sarah and schrader get in with their pumpkins and go down to the lake since the elevator will only hold three of them at a time chip and Rhonda wait for for it to come back up for them later on their way down they hear the panic screams 
of the other three and watches lights of the jack-o'-lantern go out in the mist. Rhonda tells Chip to stay in the elevator with the remaining pumpkins, saying that she that they will protect him and goes to investigate. Walking through the mist, she eventually comes to the wreckage of the half-submerged school bus and sees the masks of the others floating in the water. She is suddenly attacked by two drenched figures coming in chains and runs to see a third disemboweling Chip. As they chase her, Rhonda drops, in, drops and steps on her glasses before tripping and hitting her head on the rocks, blacking out. I see Sam getting so pissed. I'm when fucking she mad. Comes to, she sees the figure standing over her, <laughs> over her, and she screams in fear. But one of them, who is straighter in disguise, explains that it was a cruel prank played by all of them and tries to apologize. Macy is unremorseful and kicks a still at Jack Lantern into the lake as whispers and giggles suddenly echo out into the mist. And this is the moment where everyone watching gets really excited to watch these teenagers die. So Rhonda stays put and Schrader says, it's probably just a joke, but I'm going to go back and check this out. And I wrote here, I know I really, really hate these kids. I know it's wrong to hate kids but I want these kids to die. Why am I so bloodthirsty for these kids to die? Nope, let them die. Fuck these kids. <laughs> Fuck them kids. So when Schrader meets up with the others, they all see the eight figures of the dead children rise from a lake still tied to their chains. They run for the elevator, though Sarah is caught by a strand chain and is dragged away. Uh, the other three make it to the elevator to see Rhonda walked inside with the rest of the Jacqueline. <laughs> looking sullen and calm they beg her to open the door but Rhonda, seemingly in a daze presses the button up and leaves the others to their fates and the ghost children surround them and i wrote here i'm really really proud of Rhonda here i don't know if i would have done that but get it boo boo yes we are <laughs> proud of you girl we love you those kids are assholes and they deserve to get it fuck those kids and as she's going up, I like I had the subtitles on, and I love that the subtitles literally say "flesh being torn." It's hilarious. It's so good. <laughs> we get all the justice um, we want immediately. Exactly. Uh, Rhonda exits the elevator and leaves the quarry, towing her pumpkins in her red wagon. She briefly looks at and passes Sam sitting inside a cement pipe, as Mary Schrader, Chip, scream and are ripped apart by the zombies. And both movie Sam just like not it's just everywhere. Yeah, both movie Sam and actual me Sam are proud of you, Rhonda girl. We are looking on and being excited for you. So speaking of Sam, um, well, before we go into that story, uh, so I like I don't like this story as much. I feel like it's the weakest of the three so far. I, I the ending is good. Yeah. So. I feel like but. most people that review this movie find this story to be the least compelling. Like it's the part of the movie that drags for a lot of people. I find I care more about this story as an adult than I ever did when I was like in college watching this movie and getting drunk and like, you know, doing Halloween stuff. But like the story of that little girl, I was like, bitch, kill them kids. I have never reacted that strong. So I really like this one more than I used to. <laughs> but I, I I would agree it's probably the weakest of the of the stories that we get as far as entertainment value alone. Yeah, until you get to like the last like 30 seconds and then it's pretty entertaining. And then it pays off, girl. So the fourth story, which I feel is the only reason Sam really picked this movie, is entitled Sam. Yeah! <clears throat> did you just dab? Yeah, I did. I did just dab. <laughs> did you just dab? Yeah, I did 100%. <laughs> so, three trick or 
trick-or-treaters walk up to the porch of a dark old house with no Halloween decorations and nervously knock on the door. It opens to pitch black darkness and they nervously hold their bags saying trick-or-treat. Glowing eyes appear and growling is heard. Why do you go to a house with no lights on? You don't do that. Nobody I don't, does that. Yeah, you would assume if you're a kid and you go to that house, you'd be like, that's where the witch lives and you would not go there. But whatever, they knock on the door. The children run away as a monster chases them across the yard and Mr. Krieg appears in the doorway. He calls his dog, Spite, and picks him up and removes the monster costume and glowing headpiece. He collects the children's drop candy and retreats inside when, where he proceeds to burn old pictures in the fireplace before sitting down to watch TV for the night. And I wrote here, I still have fuck you vibes about this guy after seeing that scene. You should. <laughs> he takes a bite of the candy bar, disgusted with it, swaps it for an old bottle of liquor. Since there's nothing on TV that has nothing to do with Halloween, Craig turns it off and hears Spite barking outside before seeing an egg hit his window. I wrote a note here saying like, fuck this dude for eating these kids' candies. But is that Wilkins candy? Is that why it tastes like shit? I don't know, actually. I get you. So Craig runs to the front door and opens it to see, oh, sorry, I think, uh, no, yeah, to see that his entire yard is decorated with dozens of jack-o'-lanterns. Spike continues to bark in the backyard and Craig goes to investigate where he has his conversation with Wilkins from earlier. After finishing the finger that Wilkins threw him threw over to him, Spite runs back inside and begins to bark upstairs. And I wrote here, we got ourselves a good old-fashioned home invasion now, my friends. I love home invasion. So Krieg follows him up and walks cautiously into his bedroom where he notices something moving under the covers. He pulls back the blanket to see a mechanized hand before a pumpkin. Uh, set on the table in the corner, suddenly starts to spew flames bathing the room in an orange light revealing the world scribbled all over the walls and ceiling trick or treat give me something good to eat and it makes me happy i did right here though like don't hurt the dog movie can you just give me that and then i wrote dot 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 nope you couldn't give me that could you i have notes on that so <laughs> there is a fun fact they did shoot a scene of the dog coming back into the movie so that we would know that they did not kill the dog yeah. Uh, and they cut that scene out to leave some, like, more horror in it. Ambiguity. Yeah. Uh, I would appreciate them them leaving that scene in. I would have felt a little bit better. But most dog, people don't like to see dogs to, die. Yeah. Uh, so Krieg then screams as something stabs him from under the bed. He falls to the ground and looks to see Sam appear from the other side of the bed. Sam shows him a candy bar and peels it back, and the wrapping reveals a razor blade inside before attacking the old man. Krieg screams and manages to escape down the hallway, but trips on the landing to the stairs and falls to the bottom. The staircase is covered with small pieces of candy and razor blades, and Krieg winces at his hands covered in bloody cuts. And I was like, oh God, that's got to hurt. Yeah, it's real <laughs> gross, but I love it so much. It's very gross, but yes, I love it too. Krieg struggles as Sam attacks again. Krieg makes it to the far window where he calls out to Wilkins before being... He tries to fight off Sam and manages to rip off his burlap mask, and instead of finding a human child's face underneath, Sam's face is a horribly deformed pumpkin with beady eyes and sharp teeth. Uh, technically, he is a jack-o'-lantern face. He has eyes. I get it. Yeah. He's a demon, for sure. There's no doubt about it. He looks real fucked up. <laughs> I did make a note here. I was like, okay, I'm just going to say this now. I'm expecting Scarecrow Kid to look like that under the mask. I was so excited. <laughs> His head is so, like, bulbous that I knew the first time I watched this, I was like, we about to get a jack-o'-lantern face. 
Um, and we did, and I was so happy. And I'm still very happy. We love you, Sam. And when he screams at Krieg, that's amazing. I love it. And I know that's CGI, but it's really good. CGI. It's Also, I the like scream is the cutest scream I've ever heard. I stand Sam forever. Krieg gains the upper hand and gets a hold of a shotgun, shooting Sam across the room where he slumps against the front door. And his- Krieg shoots him again at close range severing sam's hand before dialing his like huh? innards are made of pumpkin guts it's adorable so when he shoots him like pumpkin guts come out instead of blood just the little things <laughs> the okay so the phone line goes dead and krieg is stabbed in the leg again by sam's severed hand i love his response to that too it's hilarious it's like just complete shock and awe it crawls back to Sam and reattaches itself to the stump. Sam gets up and puts his mask back on as Krieg backs up against the wall, knocking over a table and its contents to the floor. And I, I mean, I know it's, it is kind of like cliche for horror movies, but you know, you have to have that whole is the killer dead scene and then no, he's not dead. No, because he's a that. demon. He's not going to die. Uh, also note when, when Krieg sees the hand, moving on its own he says you've got to be fucking kidding me which is a quote from john carpenter's the thing and i know that's a movie we're gonna do during the winter and i'm kind of excited about that okay sam removes a pumpkin sucker from his pocket and takes a bite of it showing the sharp edge bite marks he approaches krieg arm raised ready to stab him and brings the sucker down on krieg's chest but instead of stabbing him, however, Sam lodges the sucker into a discarded candy bar Krieg had opened earlier, which has landed on his chest after he knocked over the table. Sam proceeds to chew the candy bar and leaves the room, appearing satisfied. He looks back at Krieg, who watches in puzzlement before leaving the house. The door slams shut on his own accord. Uh, we then see one of the pictures that Krieg had thrown into the fire. It shows the eight kids from the bus massacre, revealing that Krieg was the driver all along. <laughs> I want to scream. And I did make a note here that I said, oh, this motherfucker was the bus driver and those kids, and he's just going to live. And I wrote, fuck you, movie. You're going to let this motherfucker live. I wrote no. that on that. I know. I know. <laughs> so I think this was like, I know this is the shortest of the four, I'm pretty sure, but I kind of like it the most. Uh, well, I don't like it as much as the surprise party. I say surprise party, this one, the principal, and then the bus massacre. I think that's my rankings for the four movie, four stories. Yeah, so I love a good home invasion film. It's my favorite, I think my favorite subgenre of horror. So this is obviously like one of my favorites. I would say it's a tie between surprise party because of feminism and then this one because it's home invasion and also I'm in it. Um, but I think this is certainly one of the more fun, special, like the more fun yes. segments to watch. It's supposed to be fun and funny and very Halloween. And I think they accomplished that. So now we're at the ending and it's its own little story. So you get six stories technically in this thing. So later, uh, a heavily bandaged Krieg answers the doorbell to give candy to so some trick-or-treaters. From his porch, he sees Sam go towards Emma and Henry, Henry's house across the way, just as she's blowing out the candle to see, uh, to, uh, sorry, blowing out the candle of one of her jack-o'-lanterns. And I wrote here, like, so that's why Emma was killed at the beginning of the movie, because she didn't have the holiday spirit. Like, damn, that's a harsh lesson to learn, but I get it. I get yep. It. 
Bye. Uh, we then see Rhonda walk along the street, pulling her wagon absently minded. Um, she's almost hit by a car carrying the werewolf girls laughing in human form, which is a callback to the very beginning of the movie. And I wrote here that I really think, besides like the hot girls, that Rhonda is probably my favorite character of the movie. I really like Rhonda. I think she's very like sweet mm-hmm. and I like that she makes jack-o'-lanterns and she's awesome at it and I love her and I'm glad that she gets justice for herself. Billy Wick- Wilkins sits on his porch handing out candy wearing a costume to mimic his father's appearance complete with glasses and a bloody t-shirt unaware that his father is dead. Yeah, now, that's that's I a little dark. for Billy here, but at the <laughs> That's fucking dark as shit. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for him. Yeah, I but do like, too. This has got to be the best thing for him. Oh, I don't know. I think this has got to be the best thing for him to get away from his murderous dad, though. What I think they're trying to signify, though, by him wearing all of his dad's like clothes and that's his Halloween costume, is that essentially he's going to turn into his dad, which is a dark note for the movie to be left on. This movie pretty much it's it's all dark notes at the end here. Let's be real; like all yeah. the stories are kind of dark. Yeah, fair. <laughs> All right, so Krieg walks back inside and the bell rings again. He opens it to see the children of the bus massacre standing on his porch. The boy with the vampire mask says trick or treat and extends his bag before the children leap forward and begin to rip Krieg apart. And we get the scenes in a in a pretty, the, the cool comic book ending like we did before. Yep, and that's the movie. And I have to say, I mean, yeah, and I feel like this was the best ending. I was like, yes. And I never realized how much bloodlust I had until you made me watch this movie. And I kind of feel bad for it just a little bit. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> this movie does its job. You're excited by the end of it. Yeah. It's a great Halloween movie. It's it has true. adorable Halloween touches. We get to see like justice immediately for most of our characters. Um, and I love this movie. This is a five yeah. out of five movie for me. So... I wrote a, a little bit of a review for it. Um, um, I have to say that I like this movie. I watched it a second time almost right after I, the first time was done. Um, it's obviously out there and crazy, but it's a it's a horror movie. It's going to be out there and crazy. Uh, I feel like the kills were creative and the movie didn't hold back anything in terms of going too far or not far enough. Uh, at least in my perspective, obviously, you know the drama better than me. Um, I do have one issue with the film, and this is my only issue, uh, is that when it comes down to the people of this town and the lack of a fucking police force or well, anything resembling something trying to stop all this craziness from happening. Yeah, there's no law enforcement in this town. No. Uh, but yeah, I'm a little under your your five out of five. I'm at a four out of five. I mean, I enjoyed it and I watched it more than once. I actually watched it four times and I would probably watch it next Halloween. Yeah. All right. So we've converted you on that one. Good to know. Good. I'm glad I could get you in the Halloween spirit, even though it's a weird Halloween this year. Um, so should we tell the listeners what we will be talking about next time when I'm no longer dying? <laughs> Yeah, so the next movie that we're doing is my pick, and I will be spearheading that adventure as well. Uh, We are going to be doing the 1984 sci-fi sleeper classic, uh, 2010, The Year We Made Contact, which is the sequel to Stanley Kubrick's 2001 uh, A Space Odyssey. Does Kubrick Kubrick direct this one as 
as well he does not okay um they did get the author of the book on board though um okay. he was he he did lend a, a writing credit to it and he helped he really helped kubrick write the first one too so there's a little homage to them in the movie which is pretty funny they have kubrick be uh the president of the soviet union and the author arthur c clark is the president of the united states it's pretty hilarious interesting all right well yeah, it, it's a good movie i think you'll like it it's it's not a thinker that's okay yeah we'll take it all yeah, right so i guess this is the end of the episode this has been the bnb podcast my name is will and my name is sam and as always you got my Yes, and we will catch you next time. And if this comes out before the election, vote. Yes. It's very important. Please vote, everybody. And wear a mask and wear a mask and disinfect everything. Or you're going to wind up like Sam. <laughs> <laughs>